Madge? How do you talk to boys? How do you think of things to say? You just say whatever comes into your head. Hello, and welcome to the Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. I'm Susan Araslin. I'm David Daw. And this week we watched the fourth of the 1955 nominees, the... William Holden film Picnic, where William Holden plays a 20-year-old. This movie has a big what-age-is-anyone problem, but we'll get there, sorry. Yeah, based on a William Inga play and co-starring Kim Novak, and it's... You know, David, it's not bad. Yeah, I didn't hate it. Yeah. I had a pretty good time with it, but I found it really disorienting. This is the first one in a while where I kind of wish I'd looked at the Wikipedia summary of what was going on. Because for like a huge portion of Act 2, you're like, is William Holden going to like grope a 14-year-old? Is that how this is all going to go wrong? But he doesn't. He doesn't. doesn't, Thank God. Yeah. Also, is she 14? Because we learned that she's got a full ride scholarship to college. Right. But she definitely seems 14. She seems 14. Kim Novak seems. It says she's. 32. Yeah. <laughs> says she's 19. Looks like she's Kim Novak and 32. Acts like she's 17. Yeah. Not in terms of acting ability, but in terms of the actions that character takes. It's actually 22 in the film. Like, Kim Novak, the actor, not her character that she plays, which is strange. Yeah. But yeah, William Holden looks every bit of 37, and his friend, he was supposedly his classmate at college, and was actually only five years younger than William Holden, the actor who played him, Cliff Robertson, but looks like 23? <laughs> It definitely has big how old is anyone in this movie problems. (laughs) And it becomes kind of disorienting because our entire act two is three women of three ages all wanting to bang William Holden. You really have to use context clues to figure out which one the movie wants you to have him end up with. (laughs) That is a big problem there. There's Rosalind Russell as well. As, God, no, I'm, I need to do this, I guess, chronologically. Like, we should do the plot, even though there's, like, weirdly not a whole ton of it. Uh, Yeah, there really isn't. It's a lot of, you know, small town life little things. And then the picnic itself is a much bigger deal than what one sort of normally thinks of as a picnic. It is kind of like a whole town block party slash swimming experience (laughs) it's also a way bigger part of the movie than i thought it would be like i understand the movie is called picnic but it kind of seems like well you know sometimes you just can't come up with a better title so you just sort of call it something right or like the most important event in the movie is what the movie is named after well that's what this turns out to be because it turns out this movie is in fact about a picnic oh yeah but it's almost all of it yeah or we'll say like it's half of it but you know there's a lot of times where the most important event is 20 minutes of a two-hour film that is not the case here Yeah. Also, the number of times in this movie where I went, this is so fucking weird. But it isn't like a realistic to small towns kind of way weird. Yeah. Like, 
Uh, we should go through the plot. I think that, that this yeah. will make the most sense. William Holden plays Hal Carter, who's a down on his luck year old, who is coming into town to meet an old buddy from his fraternity named Alan Benson. But on his way from the freight train that he has been, what's hopping? What is it called when you're just like, Grabbing a freight train from town to town. That I I don't know, but there is a word for that. Yeah. But I do not know what it is. <laughs> but from his way from the train tracks to Alan Benson's place, he ends up staying with a kindly old lady who ends up being next door neighbors with hottest woman alive, Kim Novak. <laughs> yes, let me be clear that when I say she looks 32, that is not an insult. <laughs> yeah. Um... Kim Novak is a girl named Madge. Madge has a little sister named Millie who also rules. Um, And luckily is not getting groped by adult men, despite how much this movie made me wonder if that was going to happen. Yeah. They also live with, and I don't quite understand the setup here, but Rosalind Russell plays a middle-aged school teacher named Rosemary who also lives with them, but is not their mom or their aunt or anything. She's just, I guess, like, like their- A boarder, I think. Yeah. And Hal has come into town on the day of the big picnic. He goes to see Alan, and Alan's like, sure, we can hook you up at a job. My dad owns, like, a gajillion grain elevators. You'll start your way at the bottom and work your way up, but, like, come with me to the picnic with my cool girlfriend Madge and her family. Then they all go to a picnic, and that's an hour of the movie. And you would think, that makes this movie bad, right? But no. Um, No, because the picnic has enough weird ritual shit in it that you're like, what? okay, there's a lot to happen here. Like, it essentially starts with everybody going down to the river and going swimming. Yeah. And then there's a pie-eating contest and a three-legged race and a bunch of other shit like that. And then there's the, and I'm going to say this wrong, (laughs) the the Halloween backwards queen. (laughs) How the fuck does one even say this? Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to have to type it out. Uh, yeah, you heard an entire town chanting it more recently than I did. So Niwala, if, if you... the Niwala queen, the queen of Niwala, yeah. which is apparently a thing that they have on Labor Day, which is when the picnic takes place. That as far as I can tell is just they crown the prettiest girl in town and then she rides on a boat after sunset underneath the river while what? Apparently, we're like the mayor and city council <laughs> throw rose petals onto her as she sails underneath. Yeah. And then the entire town chants Niwala, Niwala while holding both arms up, staring down the river. Anyway, then the movie doesn't take a hard left turn into Midsomark territory, but it could. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it definitely had that feeling of like, okay, now they're going to do a human sacrifice, (laughs) but they don't. But but kind of. Yeah, instead, it's just the sign that you are entering the period of this movie that does a really good job of showing that period where a party's gone on for a little too long 
and you can just sort of feel like something's about to go wrong here. Like the old maid school teacher has gotten a little too drunk. <laughs> yeah. So simultaneously, Kim Novak, Rosalind Russell, the school teacher, and the 14-year-old girl who I guess is actually 18, but that's weird because she keeps acting like she's 14, all kind of jealously fight over William Holden and end up ripping his shirt off. That's really Rosalind Russell's doing. At which point, Rosalind Russell kind of loses her mind. And says some really <laughs> horrifically cruel things to William Holden. Yeah. That are so uncomfortable. I mean, it, it's an incredible performance. Yeah. Because it's not supposed to be good. <laughs> the things that she's saying. But damn, she was scary as hell. <laughs> yeah. And that is the point where the night isn't just like turning. It's turned. It all goes real wrong, real bad, real fast. Because then Alan shows back up and is incensed because Hal always does this. And you do get the sense that Hal is kind of a shit. So he probably does always do this. But in this case, it's kind of not his fault. Although he was macking on Alan's girlfriend. <laughs> Yeah, but also to be fair, Alan's girlfriend came over and was like, oh, I wish I could be macked on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, literally, William Holden's character is, what's his name, Hal? Yeah. Hal is dancing with Millie, the younger sister, and she's like, I wish I could do that. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah. Well, and then she just starts doing it. She just starts swaying her hips in a, like, I realized just the dance from Pulp Fiction. Just Quentin Tarantino has seen this film because Quentin Tarantino has seen every film. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, except that John Travolta actually dances and is aware of the fact that his hips are joints that can move. <laughs> Yes. And William Holden was not aware of this. No. Though was aware that he was not a good dancer, to his credit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really, all I'm just getting at is, like, Kim Novak just kind of starts dancing at William Holden about as aggressively as you can in the year 1955. And it works. As it would. <laughs> For sure, because it's Kim Novak. Yeah. But anyway, Hal runs off in, like, shame because his shirt has been torn open and his friend Al is, like, giving him shit. And Kim Novak runs after him and they drive off to the grain elevators and he tells his dramatic story of how, like... He's always been bad. He was sent to reform school. His mom was happier when he was at reform school. And his dad was always a drunk and a failure. And he's going to end up just like him. And Kim Novak is like, I'm more into you now. You get that, right? <laughs> um, and he's he doesn't he kind of eventually gets that when they make out. Yes. And possibly more question mark, but also Hayes Code. Yeah. But I will say that, you know, when I was first hearing about the Hayes Code, it was always like, oh, well, you know, you don't see anything on screen and nobody says it, but it's always pretty clear. And I feel like a lot of movies we've seen have been so 10 steps removed from they had sex that you're like, well, I mean, I guess that the only way the code that they are speaking into one another now makes sense is if they had sex. Yeah. But this feels pretty solidly like, yeah, they did it. I feel like, yeah, they did it, but I do still feel like it's a context clues thing because Kim Novak has this weird conversation in Act One with her mother about, like, have you had, have you and Alan 
have where it's like, <laughs> why is she bringing this up? Right. And then the two of them spent the night together and you're like, oh, I guess that's why she was bringing this up. Um, mm, yes. Is to like prime you for later when they have sex. Right. So you don't have to actually say it. Anyway, after that, Hal asks Madge Kim Novak to like run away with him and then goes, ah, oh, damn it, I forgot to return Alan's car. Uh, and goes to Alan's place to do that. And Alan is like, I'm going to have you arrested for stealing my gr- car. For stealing <laughs> my car. But then Alan's whole thing gets very strange to me. Yeah. Because then this movie kind of does a good job of making Hal a complicated guy. He's not a great dude. But you understand why he's not a great dude. And you understand he's trying not to be as shitty of a dude as he has been in the past. But Alan just kind of takes this real hard heel turn. Yeah, because he's, like, arrested for stealing my car. And then, like, as soon as the cops go after him, he says to his dad, you never wanted me to marry Kim Novak, whatever her name, Madge, yeah. You never wanted me to marry her. I hope he gets away. And I'm like, what? I, I'm confused. Why? Yeah, I didn't get that line. I didn't. I got everything up until I hope he gets away. Because he does have an earlier scene where he's like, my dad only likes winners and I'm not enough of a winner for him. I've never had a big enough win. And I've always resented Hal and I'm not able to articulate that because I don't really understand my feelings. But that's good. That's good characterization. It is. I mean, honestly, it's like, yeah, okay. so that's what's going to lead to the conflict between the two of them in this film. Got it. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it works. And the dad is kind of like adorably more into Hal than he is into Alan. Yeah. (laughs) In this way where like you could, the dad's like rooting for Hal while he punches out two cops and runs away. And then for some reason, his son is like, yeah, I hope he gets away too. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one thing in this film where I was like, what the fuck? The only thing I can think of is that Alan's like, I hope you lose your car, dad, that you bought for me. And the dad seems to be like, yeah, I wouldn't give a shit. Mm. Like, I, like, it's good to see Hal again. Right, like, that's the guy I like. <laughs> anyway, after that, Hal has to go hide in the dam. What, what, like, some, like, the river, basically, to get away from the cops. And then, like, circles back around to tell Kim Novak to come with him. Or to meet him in Tulsa, because he's going to ride the freight train out of town and head to Tulsa. And I know you're in love with me, so meet me there. And then our second confusing turn I don't quite understand happens, which is not that Kim Novak loves him and wants to go with him. That totally works for me. No, it's that Howard, who's the guy who has been dating this school teacher for a while and has more than once gone back on saying that he wanted to marry her. Yeah. Shows up at the house to tell her, like, I want to wait, especially after last night when you tore a dude's shirt off. So kind of understandable. And she's like, oh, my God, he's here to marry me. And then he just, like, goes along with it. (laughs) Oh, no, that one works for me, too, because just poor Howard. Very, yeah. (laughs) Howard's kind of whole deal is he's kind of a, uh, not kind of an alcoholic. He is an alcoholic, but he's just kind of a sad drunk. Um, and gets drunk a lot and just kind of goes along with things and is kind of mopey. And so he just kind of goes along when Rosalind Russell is just like, oh yeah, we're getting married. We're going right now. Goodbye. 
there are worse fates than having Rosalind Russell strong arm you into marrying her before you plan to. Yes, but are there worse fates than having her character, Rosemary Sidney, marry you? Because that chick is, she's a problem. I don't know. I bought the movie's sort of explanation of, hey, this is a woman who's kind of having a nervous breakdown. I don't understand how that conflicts with, I don't want to marry somebody who's having a fucking psychological break. <laughs> well, clearly the impetus of it is like, I need to get away. Like, I can't fucking be a teacher anymore. Like, I can't do this anymore. I'm getting too old for this. I've missed all my chances. What am I going to do? And like, I don't think that just making a dramatic change in your life will instantly fix underlying mental health problems or anything. But I do kind of buy the movie going like, hey, this is an acute moment in her life. This is not what she will be like all the time. I don't know, man. I would not marry somebody who was able to extemporaneously come up with the thing that she said to William Holden at the picnic where she just completely fucking eviscerated him and found every single insecurity of his after knowing him for 20 minutes, basically, cumulatively. That chick scares the shit out of me. <laughs> here's, okay, here's why it scared me less. And maybe the answer to this is actually just Rosalind Russell, and I'm not admitting that to myself. I mean, yeah, like Rosalind Russell, totally hot. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I think the thing that I took from her laying into him is there's a turn about halfway into her laying into him where you go, oh, she's laying into herself. Oh, everything she's saying about him applies to her. Yeah, again, I don't really see how that, that <laughs> like, oh, t taking out your self-hatred on other people? Yeah, but that's fine. <laughs> no, I don't think it's fine. I just think, like, what you were saying about her being able to figure out all this guy's insecurities, I think is her just saying her own insecurities and they happened to match up with his. She does not have a running tally of everybody else's problems that she can, like, recite at any time, which I do think is worse. <laughs> um, and a thing some people do have. Yeah, okay, I, I'll, I'll buy that, since a lot of what she's talking about is actually... Not everything, but a number of things that she says in that are centered on age. Like, how are you going to feel? How old do you think that you are that you're acting like this or whatever? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I still wouldn't want to deal with it. <laughs> but That's fair. <laughs> and it seems like Howard also kind of doesn't and is just like, the only way to not deal with this is to just go along with Mary. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like he is just kind of doing the math and getting strong-armed into it, but is also going like, well, it's less that I want to marry her and more that it would actually be more trouble to not marry her. Right, like she might actually murder me if I don't just go along with this. So I guess I'm getting married today. Yeah, <sighs> but the actual turn that I found kind of strange was the younger sister telling Madge to do something bright and go after Hal. Clearly the little sister was smitten with Hal too. I get that, but like, going after this guy is not the smart play. Maybe it's the right play for Madge, and like, you gotta follow your heart, and I get that, and that all works for me, but I would not describe it as a smart move. I, yeah... I feel like it's kind of up in the air, even if Madge feels as strongly as Hal does. I mean, given the fact that he's known her for a day and is like, I know this sounds crazy, but I love you. And I'm like, yes, actually, that does sound fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> 
Like, I know this is a movie, but, you know, come on. I agree with you that, like, the thing that's harder to buy... Yeah, it is kind of crazy to be like, I love you after a single day. But I do also get, like, I don't know, it's Kim Novak. And he kind of needs something, you know? So he's just, like, grabbing onto this thing. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a thing in this film where when Alan is talking about how he was in school, and I think... when everybody talks about him is with the with this idea that he's not really all that intellectual um which is kind of the only thing that can explain it for me because it's not so much yeah it's insane to tell somebody that you love them after one day which it is but the part where i was like but she barely spoke to you dude like you don't even you don't even know her because like most of it was her listening to your story about going to reform school and then being hot about it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, but also, like, Hal maybe is just not... He doesn't really need to know her because that's not his his thing. Yeah, I think that's true. He's not looking for deep conversation from the love of his life. <laughs> but that's why I kind of find Madge's turn a little bit weirder because her kind of journey through the whole film is going like, I want to be something more than just like a pretty object boys look at. And then right. Hal just looks at her a lot and she's like, okay, no, now I need to throw like turn my entire life upside down for this guy. I mean, maybe it's that finally there's a guy who's not nearly as smart as she is. <laughs> That she's like, oh, man, like, I might not be as smart as my brilliant little sister, but I'm way smarter than this dummy. Like, he's the pretty one in the relationship. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'm the brains now. (laughs) (sighs) Maybe. I mean, that's definitely projecting a lot onto this that is not necessarily there. Yeah, but it works. Um, Because really, that just happens. Madge leaves and goes after him to Tulsa. And, like, that's the end of the film. Even though her mom really does not want that but then kind of like i don't know it's weird her mom is like i don't want this but also goodbye i love the the reveal that in the last scene that the sweet old lady next door just wanted to become the joker (laughs) like her reasoning for liking hal is literally just like every day was boring and the same and then he showed up and i was like well it ain't gonna be boring and the same now is yeah, it yeah that's true <laughs> some old ladies just want to watch the world burn, <laughs> burn. <laughs> um uh yeah yeah so obviously like the what age is anybody thing is a real problem in this movie but it's not actually as much of a problem as i felt like it was going to be at the beginning of the movie yeah Because by the time Rosalind Russell tears off William Holden's shirt, or tears half of his shirt off, he's sold me. Yeah. This guy is 20 or early 30s. He manages to have some vulnerability. That makes him feel younger than the usual William Holden type, honestly. I mean, usually he's the smart, sarcastic guy who might be a nice guy. But he's the brains of the outfit, and this is definitely him playing against type. Yeah, the, the, he does have that great... There's like a neighborhood kid that keeps coming over and hitting on Madge and gets uh, real handsy with her. <laughs> you mean Rizzo the Rat in human form? <laughs> yeah, Rizzo the Rat in human form, who lives down the block and is going in together with some of the other boys to buy a car. 
Anyway. Yeah, but he's going to get it on Friday, so hopefully Kim Novak will come out with him. But after he, like, takes a turn to really aggressively start trying to feel her up, William Holden comes over, interrupts him, and in a absolutely great moment, the kid's like, who are you? And he goes, what does that matter? I'm bigger than you. And hits him in the head with a basketball he's holding. <laughs> Which is like the most William Holden entrance. Even though I agree with you that in general, this character is against type. So that was at the start of the movie. And I was like, I don't, okay, all right. So he's like the down on his luck intellectual who goes around shirtless. Fine. Yeah. And then a few scenes later, I'm being told that, you know, he was like the meathead athlete who was in a fraternity. And like the only reason he got to go to college was because he was good at sports and that he's the same age as this guy that when we first meet Alan, because William Holden goes over to his house, they're both in profile. And Cliff Robertson, who plays Alan, is a very young-looking 32, and William Holden is 37 years old at the time and looks every day of it, maybe a few days more. <laughs> They're both in profile, and it honestly is like... Yeah, I would have said he was in his 40s. One of them could have been the other's dad. <laughs> yeah. But they get over it. I mean, the acting uh, carries it through. It's kind of one of those situations where if I'd seen it on stage rather than on screen, I wouldn't have questioned it at all. Because they would have been far enough away that what you get when you've got a shot where you are shooting them from the waist up, so it's really pretty tight on their faces right next to each other, you're not going to get that on stage. <laughs> but on film, you can't help but make that comparison. And it works to an extent with the idea, you know, William Holden's characters had a rougher life. But it looks like a 15 to 20 year difference, not like they're roughly the same age, but one of them has lived a bit harder. <laughs> For sure. But yeah, I think it's actually a pretty good movie. Yeah, I think it works. I think the whole picnic section, I was sort of thinking about State Fair and like, oh, if State Fair had kind of handled the montage of what it was to be at a State Fair, the way this movie kind of handles the weirdnesses but also the specifics of this picnic mm, yeah i think i would have enjoyed that movie a lot more yeah i think the central romance is a bit weird and doesn't totally work you do end up feeling like there's this logic puzzle of okay so if he's this age and is the same age as him and they're dating then it's okay that they're <laughs> yep. like you <laughs> but yep but it does Overall work, I think everybody's giving good performances, even if some of them are a little bit weird casting because of the age thing, like mostly William Holden, but also a little bit Kim Novak, even though apparently she is the right age for it. Actually, she just doesn't play that age. Well, and Susan Strasberg, um, who plays Millie, how old is she? If she's 14, did she like skip four grades and she's going to college next year? Or... Did they hand out four-year scholarships really early in the 50s? <laughs> like, what is going on there? I Yeah. She's great. She's probably the best. I mean, I guess she... Was she a child actor? Yeah, at this point, she's 16. She's one of the better child actors that we've seen. She feels pretty believable. Like, she's bratty, but in a way that feels 
lived in and not like be movie bratty. <laughs> yeah. No, she she feels genuinely like a lived-in character. I was thinking about this with kind of all of the female characters, because there's none of them pass the Bechdel test, but there's several scenes of sort of all of the women standing around talking, and it's just like, they are all talking about men, but these are kind of believably specific women talking about men, instead of that thing that's like sub-Bechdel test of, this is two women in a room talking about a man, saying things no woman has ever said about a man in their entire fucking life. Like Right, for the sole purpose of progressing the plot or, like, giving us background information on the dude so that the women can have more lines, but also we get that background information. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Like, they do feel pretty lived in. I think all of the characters, actually, in this movie feel fully developed and that's saying a lot because it's a lot of characters yeah there's a lot of minor characters like the old lady who lives next door who just wants to watch the world burn who might be my favorite character in the movie (laughs) she rules Uh, i love howard even though like he does end up married to rosalind russell against his will basically and he doesn't show up until like halfway into the movie he doesn't show up until they're going to the picnic And once he shows up, you're like, oh, this is going to be this minor character that Rosalind Russell kind of rags on. And he doesn't. He just sort of becomes this bigger and bigger character. And you are like, yeah, I like this guy. I'm glad he's sticking around. I'm glad there's more Howard in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like him because the first time that we see him, he is pressuring Rosalind Russell to drink. So I didn't love that about him. But also it was not necessary for me to like him. So I don't think it is all ne- necessary to like him to like this film. Yeah. It's fine if you do. I'm not saying like, you know, you're a bad person because you like him. He is definitely an alcoholic. But also like as the film progressed, I was like, oh, Russell and Russell is also not a very good person either. So like it's two <laughs> people who are kind of terrible being terrible to each other, which I, you know, as a fan of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, can be one of my favorite dynamics to watch on screen. <laughs> Not to be a participant in or in the same room with, but, you know, it's it's entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. So also, I just want to briefly mention the director and cinematographer for this movie. I think we're both doing very good work. Uh, Joshua Logan did, did a really good job. Um, and he's, you know, started out as a play director, which I think... I think it was probably a lot more common now that I think about it back then than it is now. Like in college, I mean, as opposed to like, I went to film school. Like, yeah. did, they, did they even have film school in 1930 or whatever when you started <laughs> making movies? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I think you just like showed up in Hollywood and went like, someone teach me how to do this. Someone apprentice me. But I have no idea. Please feel free to correct us if we are wrong. Again, our email address is screentestoftime at gmail.com. But I think he's doing a really great job. Also, he apparently was in the same theater company as Jimmy Stewart and Henry Fonda when he was at Princeton. So that's cool. I want to see the shows that they did together. That would be one of my theater time machine stops. And I don't want to take, because I totally agree with you about the direction of this movie. I think you can tell this guy was a play director 
and that this was a play before, that this started out as a play. I think it is a kind of stagey movie, but I think it's stagey in a good way. I think it works when you kind of get to these scenes where you're like, well, you can tell that this is basically straight adapted from the play uh, versus like the big chase scene stuff where, okay, it seems like they added this in a little bit to pad out the movie. Yeah. There's definitely some stuff in here where you also get the feeling of someone who is a theater director getting excited about what they can do on film and that they couldn't have done on stage. Like the boat scene under the bridge with all of the flower petals and then she gets off on this little dock. Has big like, hey, we can do this and I could never do that on stage energy. But then there's the stuff like the scene where we keep going back to each group in their car on the way to the picnic that's like so you really just were gonna do the straight ahead front seat shot for all of these that you could do on stage with some chairs sitting next to each other (laughs) but it works i mean it's not a bad choice it's just that's a theater director's choice yeah the thing i wanted to say about the look of this movie though Even though I do also want to credit the cinematographer and not go like, this is the entire reason for it. But this movie had a really big, high-profile restoration in the 90s. Oh. Which is, I think, why this movie kind of looks like an 80s movie, if you get the version that is widely available. Because this was sort of a big, early experiment in restoring some sort of early Technicolor movies and updating them a little bit, updating their look. And it, in fact, had kind of an art house run in the mid-90s after it got restored. And I think the restoration is good. Uh, You can also sort of see the colors look like the colors from something filmed in the 80s and not from something filmed in the 50s. It did give me big Dirty Dancing vibes. Yeah. Occasionally because of that. Yeah. I will say, and I think the cinematography is actually very good, especially because this was another CinemaScope film. And about halfway through, I had that moment that always comes in a CinemaScope film where you go, oh my God, everything has been in the center frame this whole movie. Do they know that there are other parts of the frame? And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, it's CinemaScope. That's why. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think that James Wong Howe is doing a better job with CinemaScope than I feel like we've seen other people do because I didn't feel that way so soon because there are things that are happening outside of center frame that matter. (laughs) It's just not the most important thing. And he actually wins in this year for cinematography for The Rose Tattoo, which we're watching next week. So I'm eager to see what he does with that. I mean, it also might be a cinemascope, so. (laughs) But yeah, should we rate this, I guess? Sure. Um, Like like an eight? Yeah, Is that I was crazy. <laughs> I was thinking seven, but then I was thinking like I'm like seven and a half. Yeah, maybe? I was definitely thinking seven, and then I was thinking like, well, why am I rating it so low? Is there anything actually wrong with it, or is it just that when I go to eight, I go, I just kind of push back against that and go like, well, that's for a great movie, and this one's just quite good. 
or eight is for a movie that we really loved, but we were like, yeah, there's some, there's like something glaringly problematic with it. Like the Thin Man, I think we gave an eight. Yeah. This movie was fucking great, except for the slap part, which left a really fucking bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm honestly fine with going up to an eight. Let's say eight. Yeah. I mean, and the problem is I'm like, should you watch this movie? Yeah, I guess. While I was not bored, there was nothing about it that was really all that exciting, I guess, for me. Despite the fact that this apparently made, like, old women super horny in the 50s, which is kind of adorable. Yeah. There's a great story, actually, I'm gonna tell this one, where a friend of the director, Joshua Logan had been in a diner in the Midwest, which is apparently where everyone learns everything and has for all of United States history. But the song Moon Glow that happens with the dancing and the shirt tearing came on in the diner and these two old ladies were talking and one of them said, isn't this the theme from Picnic? And the other old lady said, I don't know, but it makes me want to get laid. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, right? So this was basically like porn uh, in 1955, but I didn't find it all that titillating. And like the scene where his shirt gets torn off, the whole town sees it and the whole town does treat it like he's fucking in the street. Oh, yeah. Like this is the most shocking, terrifying. Yeah. Like, please protect your children from this shirtless man. It was definitely like... (laughs) Uh, way blown out of proportion also i didn't think it was that hot because i felt really bad for william holden's character but yeah i just didn't find like anything super exciting there was no moment where i was like yeah i didn't have like a a mr smith goes to washington feeling there was nothing that made me cry you know it was it was fine (laughs) yeah i agree with you like i agree with you should you watch this movie eh could you watch this movie? Sure. Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There is nothing keeping you from it, and we are not advising you against it, for sure. But, like, also there's a lot of good movies in the world. So if it's not if it's not jumping out at you, it's not secretly the greatest movie ever made or something. I mean, if you had to pick a movie from 55, so far this would be the only one I would recommend. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Ah, Mr. Roberts was okay. So next week, we have our last of the 55 nominees, which is The Rose Tattoo, which is a Tennessee Williams adaptation starring Burt Lancaster. I don't actually know anything about this particular play. Me neither. So I I have no idea if it's good. It did come out on my birthday in 1955, but that does not mean anything at all. (laughs) But it's true. Yeah, it is true. This is also my, like, periodic reminder, because I always remember your birthday is three days away from my mom's birthday, but I can never, like, just never pins in my mind whether it's three days before or three days after. And so this is like, it's after. Yes, it is after. I knew that, but that's because I know my birthday. Um, Yes. Yeah, so tune in next week to find out if it's better than this movie which i gotta say i i kind of feel like picnic is in the lead right now oh for sure like i cannot yeah yeah this is by far the best film we've watched from 1955 um like i like mr roberts okay but like 
that was a confused movie with good moments. And this was a good movie that was consistently good, but just not quite great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I would say, like, until then, but you, like, did all of it. That is... (laughs) Whatever David just said. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, like, pick it up from earlier and just drop it in here. I'll just create a nice... And here. (laughs) Anyway, bye, everybody. (laughs) Goodbye. Really, whether Susan does that or not, bye. Have a good day. (laughs) Have a good week. Goodbye. Aren't they graceful? You used to dance like that, Flo.